Hello, and welcome to the March 14th Pi Day meeting of the Science Fiction Club. Um, and uh, we'll do as we usually do and go around and talk about the books we've read recently or however long ago it was and uh, see what people brought this month. So who wants to go first? I guess I'll, I'll go. Okay. All right. Uh, I read a book called Unkindness of Ghosts by Solomon Rivers. Does that mm. ring a bell to anybody? No, nope. but it sounds like a good title. Well, it got pretty good reviews. I'll take a look at it. It's a very strange book. Plant, plantation life taken to, the, taken to space. It takes place on a starship called Matilda. MS Matilda, I think it is. That's on an endless voyage through space. And the population is divided up according to classes. The lower, the, the, the people on the lower decks are dark-skinned um, people living almost under plantation-like conditions where they have to do the farming and, and stuff to, to support the upper classes who are light-skinned and live on the upper levels of the ship. Uh, and it's interesting because the, the author is an African-American himself, and the people in the lower class speak in a very interesting dialect. It sounds almost like Calypso from the Indies. And the main character is a, is a strange person, a girl named Astrid. Astrid. And she's been trying to find out whatever happened to her mother who committed suicide. And apparently her mother had uh, studied the different aspects of the navigation of the ship to figure out where they were going and what their final destination. And it goes into great detail about the harsh conditions that the, that the different people live on the lower decks are deprived of heat. Uh, they have to, as I said, they have to work in the, in the fields raising crops for the for the, the to support the, the, the people in the upper classes on the upper decks. Uh, she has an interesting relation with a with a, a surgeon who is taking her under her wing because she has a great little medical abilities. And um, she's also revolutionary, and, and the, the ship is, is governed by sort of a, a theocracy or a theocracy of, of sort of like, like, you know, following the dictates of heaven and, and justifying their rule over, the, over the, the, the people by supposing God's will. And uh, in the Towards the end, she becomes sort of a revolutionary and a revolt against the upper classes in some degree. Um, and that's sort of a very strange ending. I'm not sure exactly if, if she survives at the end or not, but there's, there's a lot of cruelty. The, 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 um, the ruler who takes over after the previous ruler dies um, to get even with her because it turns out the surgeon that she's has a relationship with is also the, that he's the nephew of the, of the current ruler and uh, she uh, he to get back at her has a a child who the book starts out with when she has to amputate this child because of living under these harsh cold conditions um, he has a, the child executed in front of the whole population of the ship just to get back and and, and ask her for her relationship with 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 his nephew, and um, I'm sure there's more to it than that than that, but that's basically what I can tell you about the book. 
Can you tell us if the ending is satisfying? Uh, not really. I, I really should no. go back and check it again because <laughs> I, I had to read it, I read it a, a few weeks ago and I don't recall exactly how it ends. It's not really... Oh, okay, I remember now. Um, Astra manages to escape the ship in a shuttle. She finds a shuttle and apparently that's what her mother was trying to to give to her in different notes. She was studying her mother's generals and her journals and the mother finally found a way of, of, of getting out of the ship and, and, and it ends by Astra escaping from the ship in a shuttle. Where, where she goes from there, I don't know. Mm. But it's but it's but it's very interesting to hear the dialogue the way they talk. Right? Your interest, I could play a bit of it on the on the Victor reader, but it's it's quite quite interesting how he reproduces that that dialect. Hmm. I gotta confess, it sounds a little too messagey to me. Um, <laughs> just that up sounds like uh, it's it's going to be an allegory about slavery or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, those books can be well done, but a lot of times they they just get preachy and the sermonizing kind of overrides the story. How did that? How did this one come out? I was looking at the reviews and it got very pretty good reviews. It was written in 19, um, 2017 and apparently got pretty positive reviews. Mm. Yeah, but a lot of people like message books, you know, books that that have an explicit message, um, um, you know, feminist fiction and uh, or conservative fiction or whatever it could be, you know, different ideological fictions. A lot of people the like them. It was a little slow in the beginning. I wasn't sure mm -hmm. I was going to stick to the end of it, but I yeah. with it. Mm -hmm. But I like stories about, you know, some of them can be really fun, you know, because uh, stories about ships that, you know, I haven't read one for a long time, but um some of them can be really uh interesting because you know over many years a good author can make you know really interesting societies out of that of course you know you can do that on a planet also but when you're in a, a closed system like that you know things can get more interesting because you don't have anywhere to run you know if things go bad you're you're stuck so that can be well done i mean people like i guess frederick pull and Paul, I mean, I guess uh, Paul Anderson has done those, and James Gunn, I think, and some other people. Anyway, yeah, not as many people today. Mm. But we will proceed. We will move forward. Well, I'll, I'll go next. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'll be quick. Uh, uh, I, I read this book. It's called The Chronicles of St. Mary's. Uh, it got, it was talked about on the DV review list and it kind of came to my attention and it deals with time travel and stuff. And I, I typically like time travel stories. Uh, this is by an author named Jody Taylor. And it actually, this Chronicles, it, it's three books in one. I only read the first of the, of the three. So that that's kind of telling right from the beginning. Uh, uh, it's it, 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 the premise is that there's this it, there's this kind of research society called St. Mary's. It's it's in England, and they they've got somehow along the way they've invented these pods that let them travel through time, where they can go and observe 
important events and, you know, not change anything, not mess with history in any way, but help them document uh, uh, what what was going on at the time, wherever they happened to be visiting. Well, you know, it's, uh, and I've talked to Sherry some about this. Uh, it, this, one is, this, this one is long on the interactions of the characters amongst each other and, and, and you know, the love interests and the fights and stuff like that, and real short on any, any history and stuff. So it's, uh, uh, they spend a lot of time in the crustacean period, but it, it, it turns out what the book is really about is, is trying to establish some kind of adversarial relationship between the good, the good guys that work for the St. Mary's institution and then maybe some, some bad guys that have gotten hold of these pods that are trying to, to, to use the time travel and stuff to, to fill their own coffers and stuff. So, yeah, it, 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 it wasn't great. It, it, it was somewhat entertaining, I guess, but that the, the, I would have liked it a lot better. I mean, it's set in England, right? And you've got this, you've got this U.S. narrator, her name's Eva Wilhelm, I think narrates it, and she'll do like a British voice whenever the character's talking, but I, why in the world they didn't get some kind of British woman just to narrate the whole thing beyond me? I would have enjoyed it a lot better if I could have at least enjoyed a nice British accent doing all the narration of all the background material as well as the speaking voices and stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, it's really probably not even science fiction, but, you know, like I said, I I read it because it was time travel, but, uh, well, that's, yeah, it, 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 it left SF. I mean, time travel is science fiction. Right. Right. But, uh, this one, I've read a lot better time travel stories than this one. So, I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. So I mean, uh, well, Sherry's, about, the, Sherry's the resident expert on time travel. Well, stories. I wouldn't yeah, say it, expert. I read the same book. <laughs> sort of had the same opinion as Alan. I thought it was yeah. more of a high school ghost time traveling, and it was more right. high school than time travel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that, her with her her summary of it too. My impression was they were kind of trying to get the Doctor Who kind of flavor into into a book. Oh, well, they did a lousy and, job. Well, I've, I've, and they I've didn't never, do I've, a very I've, good I've, job of it. Yeah, I've never They're seen very, Doctor, Who, Doctor Who, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's a good goal, but it sounds like they failed miserably at it. So. <laughs> huh. Well, I guess I can go next. I tried reading Terra Incognita by Car- Connie Willis because I generally like Connie Willis. And it had three novellas in it, and I didn't like any of them. I didn't finish any of them. You know, Connie Willis has a certain style. If you didn't know it was her, you would know it was her by reading the book because she has a lot of high energy and humor. And this one, she just needed to tone it down a bit. It was just tiresome. So I skipped that one, and I went to something called Alice Payne Has Arrived, or Alice Payne Arrives by, let me double-check the author... Alice Payne Arrives by Kate Hartfield. This book was only three and a half hours long. It also has time travel. Alice Payne lives back in the late 1700s, and her father has just come back to England from the Revolutionary War, and he has what, uh, I don't think they called it shell shock then, but that's what it was. So he's not doing too well. So she becomes a highwayman, or a highway person, I guess would be Mm -hmm. the better. I'm sorry? I said, (laughs) mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and um, so, you know, no one realizes this is a woman highwayman, but in any case, she's robbing people, and she tends to pick um, men who beat their wives or seduce young women, so she has an agenda there. But it's, like I said, it's only three and a half hours, so they don't really go into that. And then we go back in 2070, there is... Um, Grace and her sister, and you know, I, even though I just read this, I don't remember the sister's name. I think it's Carmen. And they have been sent to 2070 from 21-something by their parents because all hell is breaking loose in the 2100s with all kinds of wars and stuff. And there's two factions fighting to change history. One uh, faction keeps going back and trying to change wars, trying to assassinate people, trying to make things change. And then the other faction believes more in keeping things the way they are. So they try to fix things or they try to change different things. And this Carmen woman wants to just, she has come up, she and a couple of her friends have come up with some mechanism to eliminate, make time travel unavailable. They're going to change some kind of waves. And this book has a, some science in it that was a little bit over my head, I must say. And so she needs somebody from the past to trip this in the past so that it does does not allow time travel. So she, um, she sets up something near Alice Payne's house just by coincidence. And Alice's, Alice stumbles through it, of course, along with the carriage full of people she's robbing. And Alice does agree to help her out and takes the mechanism back with her in order to trip it. But then she starts thinking about it. And maybe she doesn't want to do this because Carmen took her in time to show her World War I and how awful it was and other things. And Alice starts thinking, well, if I mess with stuff, maybe it'll just be worse. So I won't give away the end of the book. But it was a pretty good book packed into three and a half hours. I need to go out and see if there's sequels or anything else by this author because I did like it. I thought it was well written. That on Bard? Yes. Oh, okay. Because you mentioned it being three and a half hours. So I thought it was yeah. either Bard or Audible or somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is Bard. Well, yeah. that sounds like, I, like the, I like the sound of that story. That sounds that's sounds like a pretty good good story so yeah i, like I thought the, it was pretty good yeah. yeah it's alice Payne arrives and Payne is spelled p-a-y-n-e by okay. kate hartfield okay all right well we're moving along quickly today the time travel theme is persistent right <laughs> as i read a book uh about time travel also but it's only forward um, it's called The Accidental Time Machine. Oh, my gosh. I started reading that. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll shut up and see what I'm you not, thought. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. Well, I might. Um, but because um, I read the Wikipedia plot before I read it, uh, because I heard of this book many years ago, and I'm kind of a sucker for you know far future stuff. Unfortunately, there's not really that much in it. Um, Okay, this guy works in the physics department at MIT. He's about 27. He's a, he's a graduate student or postgraduate, but he still needs a couple of hard courses and a dissertation to get his PhD. So he's almost there, but he's not quite done all the hard stuff yet. But he's working for this guy in a lab, and his machine, which is supposed to calibrate something, they're working with gravity generators or something. This is like 2050-something. And... Um, he discovers that it disappeared and he tells his professor, but before his professor can, or his supervisor can look, it reappeared again. So 
he pushes the button and it disappeared for a little bit longer this time. And so the guy, he runs out to uh, get the guy who's on his way out the door. And by the time the guy gets back, it's reappeared again. But he discovers that each time he presses the button, it disappears for longer than it did the last time. So um, anyway, he does some more experiments. He takes it home. Um, there's an ex-girlfriend who's there for some reason. I'm not sure why, but there's never an explanation of why she left or, you know, maybe it's because he's spending too much time at the lab or something. Who knows? But I don't know. Maybe she's just there for furniture. I don't know. So the guy, so the Haldeman can say he rounded out the character a little bit. But anyway, um, so he does some more experimenting and he discovers that it goes roughly, it disappears for roughly 12 times longer each time he pushes the button. So, and then it reappears like, you know, um, three minutes and then uh, about 36 minutes and then about six and a half hours and then three days and three and a half days or almost. And so he does some more experiments and he gets a turtle and he buys and he hooks up because only the metal, the machine, the, the base that it's on doesn't disappear. So he reasons that he needs to like put something on it that conducts electricity so that anything that he carries that he puts on the machine will also be taken with it. So he gets a turtle and he discovers that almost no time and he sets up a cell phone and he sets up a, uh, cameras and everything. And, and then he um, lets it go for like three and a half days and, and then he gets fired from his job and he has no money and, and his mother keeps calling him and telling him, you know, why isn't he doing this and that? And, so he decides to do a bigger experiment and he goes to see this guy who's got an antique car. He's a drug dealer and this physicist, the, the protagonist has gotten stuff from him, not hard stuff, but he gets stuff to help him concentrate better like Ritalin and speed and stuff. And so he gets this antique car and wires it up and puts the time machine in it. And this time he calculates it should disappear for about 39 days. So when he gets back, he's in the middle of a street and he almost gets hit by a cab and the police show up very quickly and haul him away and find out that he was in the vicinity of this guy who died uh, right after the car disappeared. Maybe he had a heart attack or something. He was like 300 pounds or something. And so he's on trial. Well, he will be on trial, but he gets bailed out mysteriously. And he's a physicist and he's pretty intelligent. So he asks his lawyer who bailed him out. And he said, did this, did it look like me or did it, you know, and he said, well, yeah, maybe a little bit. And he gives him a bail and gets him out. And so he goes to the car where it's impounded and everything's still in it. And he persuades the guy who's running the lot where the car is impounded to let him in. And so he fires the time machine up, and this time it goes for about 400 and some day, days. And then he's just about to get hit by a pickup truck when he emerges. He's on another road because, oh, I forgot to tell you. Every time this time machine disappears, it appears to move to, for a certain, to a certain extent. And every time, of course, the time jumps get bigger and the moves get bigger. So he's having to start calculating where the time machine is going to emerge when it comes back from, you know, wherever it goes when it's 
jumping through time, which he kind of explains a little bit later with some high dimensional string theory, baffle gab stuff. Anyway, so he hits the button again after, you know, almost instantly when he's about to get hit. And he emerges 15 years later in the middle of a stadium with bands playing and, and uh, so on. And of course they uh, predict, he, he sent the notes of his discovery to his professor before he was fired to his employer. And it turns out that his employer claims the Nobel, got the Nobel Prize for discovering time travel because the guy wasn't around, you know, for 15 years. And of course, um, so he's fetid and everything, but then he gets his job and, but he's not happy. He doesn't seem to be able to fit in and his old employer kind of stole his discovery, even though, you know, he gets a professorship and all that. But so then things get more interesting in a way because the next jump, he, he, they take the time machine, but they want to study it and they, because they can't figure out how it works. They've built duplicates. He even built a duplicate before he left and it doesn't work as a time machine. There's something wrong with it, but whatever's wrong with it causes it to jump through time. It's not supposed to do that. That's why it's the accidental time machine. So he doesn't fit in too well. His old girlfriend's married the guy who took his job at the lab. And so um, they want to study it and they want to do some um, electron scanning of it and so on. And um, so they get, they want him to be with it. While one of them, they want to scan it by itself and they want to have somebody who's, you know, wasn't familiar with it and then they want to scan it with him. So while nobody's in the lab, he takes the time machine and fires it up and goes, this time he goes about 177 years into the future and things have changed pretty radically this time. Uh, the area he emerges in is like up near New Hampshire. He emerges in a forest and he um, discovers pretty quickly that everything's under this religious tyranny. Uh, but there's a strange mixture of high-tech and low-tech in this near future. He, he meets this family and they go fishing and they, they hook this thing, they call it a blessed fish, but it's really uh, mostly just meat, but it's clearly bioengineered. I mean, it's not, you know, it's almost all meat and it's, you know, very little of anything else in it. And he finally makes it to MIT, but it's now, it's not Massachusetts Institute of Technology anymore. It's the Massachusetts Institute of Theosophy now. So, and, you know, he uh, manages to get, uh, you know, employed there as a professor because they knew he was coming. See, somebody, you know, there's high tech going on, but he doesn't realize it at first. Um, and there's a guy named Jesus who isn't the literal Jesus, but he, I'm, I'm going on too long, so I should probably hurry it up. Um, he meets this guy who is a hologram, and of course everybody, you know, is very privileged when they get to meet Jesus, but it turns out that, you know, he's a hologram, and he, he doesn't say this at this moment, but we find out later that it's an AI that apparently took over this part of the country. Um, it doesn't rule the whole country or the whole world, but it does rule you know, most of the eastern half of the U.S. So he jumps ahead again. He meets a woman there. She was employed as his graduate assistant because he was accepted at, you know, the university. And they, um, 
they jump ahead a couple thousand years this time and they go further west into uh, Nebraska or New Mexico or somewhere and they meet an AI who wants to go with them and things get harder from now on because the, the machine moves much further the next time it's going to go into the Pacific Ocean the next time after that it'll be in outer space so she wants to go with them because she wants to and I quote see if she can die I don't understand that, but that's what she says. I don't understand Haldeman's writing all the time. I've read other books by him, and some of them are a little quirky. So she wants to see the heat death of the universe and see if she can live or die or something. Anyway, so she's got this ship she built for them. Um, you know, she knew, of course, from history that this that he was coming. You know, every you know a lot of people know about it because you know he was. You know, the guy, the guy got the Nobel Prize, you know, back in 2077 or whatever for discovering this machine. So people, some people knew he was coming. So this AI goes with them. And okay, so they jump a few more times into the future. But they, uh, the man and the woman, the character and his assistant who, you know, he's got caught with because she went with him into the future. Um, they start receiving these communications from people in the future because, of course, he knows he went back to bail himself out, remember? So he knows there's got to be a way back to the 20th, 21st century. And so he gets these communications from these people in the future. And uh, so I probably shouldn't say too much more than that. They jump a couple more times into the future. They don't stay too long, but eventually they meet up with these people and um, so that's probably more than I should say, but, um, so the, uh, that's, that's, that was the story. I thought it was okay. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of the future. I mean, I agree with one of the reviewers that the Wikipedia quoted that said, you know, that it was really, you know, really quick, you know, jumps into the future. We didn't stay very long. It was almost like it was written for ADHD people or something, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, um, but it was, it was okay. I, 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 I would have liked it more if he had been, you know, if he had done more with the future, but it was okay. It was pretty well written. The narration was good. It's, it's one of those barred books that's from, uh, a place called Recorded Books, which actually specifically mentions their SF line. So uh, we might see more books from them. You know, you know, there are already some on Bard, I think. But so I'd give it about a three, three and a half, maybe out of five overall. Um, it was it was interesting. There were some suspenseful moments. Um, so you'll you you probably enjoy it. Jerry. I kind of I stopped after about three hours and oh, did you? I was feeling like eh, it's okay. Yeah. I haven't deleted it yet, so we'll yeah. see. Well, you're almost halfway through. So. Yeah. So they haven't left uh, MIT the Theosophy yet. He just got arrested and bailed oh. out. So maybe oh, I'm not okay. quite. So, no, you're not quite. You're not. You maybe hasn't too. That far in the future. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's his next jump is to the. Uh, religious tyranny and then he goes then things get you know anyway that's my book the accidental time traveler by joe holdeman wow 
So well, Marshall, you're going to finish us out with I tried. I tried to read it, too, but I started yeah. fast-forwarding. Because <laughs> uh, I just... I just didn't particularly like the main character. Yeah, me either. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't um, think he was that likable. Or he, he wasn't unlikable. He just wasn't very well developed, I guess. Well, I don't know exactly why, but I just didn't like him. But I like. I guess I'm going. I'm going back to my childhood. Mm -hmm. And along those lines, the book I chose to read was one that I wish Bard had done. Bard likes Andrew Norton, but they like her for, for her fantasy books, not her science fiction books. So I decided to read with at my sister's urging the Solar Queen series. And I started out with the first book, Sargasso of Space, which is on Bookshare. Uh -huh. And I converted it into audio format because I just like to sit and listen. And it's about this, well, I'd say probably equivalent of college or military academy. He's just gotten out of school as a cargo master. And they have a machine that selects where all these cadets go. And of course, all the cadets want to go on these big kind of cruise ship type ships. And... Of course, he doesn't get a cruise ship. He gets something like a tramp steamer. And they bid for the trading rights on a planet, and they get them, and then discover that it's been burned out uh, by, a pre by a war. And they go and land on it, and they start having adventures and discover that there's old ancient technology that allows uh, people to pull ships out of space and force them to land on the planet, actually crash on the planet. And it's their adventures as they go through trying to get all this straightened out. Um, I liked it because I like this kind of stories. It may not be high-class writing, but it's enjoyable writing, and that's all I want right now. I'm tired of high-class writing. Um, that's kind of why I went back to Andre Norton. Well, she she'd always she'd she, appreciate she, that. <laughs> she knew how to kept us. Well, she knew how yeah. to keep the story going. I, you know, I read Star Rangers again uh, last or a couple of years ago. I remember posting to the list about that. It was it was really great because I mean that's one of the few SF books by her that does have, they actually have a couple different versions of it. Um, they don't have the Milton Metz version, unfortunately, but they've got a couple of other narrations of it that they did. And yeah, so, but it, it, it's my feeling that, that Bard doesn't want to get any of the old, no, what I consider the classics. I don't think so. No, not now. Um, and I don't know why. Well, because whoever runs it up there thinks that science fiction is for young people and they don't want to, and they certainly aren't going to go out of their way to get stuff that, even older stuff that's for young people. They're, they're doing the newer stuff that's specifically designated as YA, probably. That's, I don't know where they got that idea, but they're doing very little 
you know, science fiction that isn't for young people. Now. Yeah, I've noticed that too. It's almost all it's, YA. It's kind of sad. I mean, that's that's what happens when you got somebody deciding. You know, you know, you know. Maybe there's more than one person, but you know, it's a very few people deciding. You know what we can read, mm -hmm. what Bard well, what record. The other problem is, is that uh, I had a re I Bard was the only place that actually had a copy. Audible doesn't have a copy of um, what of of the fur of this Sargasso in space. Oh. Uh, you, Bookshare, you mean Bookshare is the only one that had a copy? Bookshare was the only one that seemed to have a. Uh, seemed to have it. Yeah. Unless I wanted to go out and see if I could find a print copy and scan it and read it myself. Right. Um, but, you know, I like the old science fiction stories and not just the super classics like some of the Robert A. Heinlein yeah. stuff that they made. For example, I was disappointed to learn that... Uh, Bard didn't have rocket ship Galileo. Oh, they had a Braille copy back when I was. They they did a Braille copy, but you'd have to you'd have to call your library to get it because it wasn't wouldn't be downloadable. But I I had a copy in my stu in my school library uh, that uh, was done by APH back in the seventies. But you would have to go look. I I don't know. Um, I don't know why Bard doesn't show it. Maybe they don't have it anymore, but they certainly. Well, have. I didn't look. I didn't look for Braille books because I'm not oh. that good of a Braille reader. Yeah, they've got a Braille copy. That's um, no, they don't have an audio copy though. Yeah, you're, that's true. But uh, I think they missed a lot of good books. Well, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of science fiction books, not necessarily by the. Hugo Award winners yeah, right. that I wish they had. Mm -hmm. um, and they aren't, you know, they aren't really classics, but they're, they're good, cozy reading, which is what I want right now. Yep. You bet. I just realized, Alan, I forgot to put out a reminder this month with the books we talked about last month. Uh, I forgot. I was telling Sherry. <laughs> What's that? I, I, I was telling Sherry, I got a text from her saying, you know, was I coming to the meet? And I'd forgotten all. Yeah. You got to, you got to, uh, I guess you got to nag me about it or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I really, uh, that's the first time I've missed a newswire since, I don't know yeah, when. Since forever, yeah. It's all many years, many years. I'm going to put one out just because um, I should put out the list of books we talked about anyway. Mm-hmm. So sorry, my, my my phone started reading when I was trying to answer you. Yeah, I, yeah, I forgot all about the meeting tonight. I just uh, I, I didn't I, forget about the meeting. I just forgot about the the thing to to publish like earlier this week with the books. We yeah, yeah. If I if I had realized it was the second Thursday tonight, I would yeah. I would have tried to remind you about the newswire. But hey, oh, we dropped the ball, didn't we? We're just uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my my dotage, I tell you, yeah. one, one, one <laughs> more thing in. I forgot, and big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Added to a long list. Every yep. long list. That's but, okay. Uh, I signed on at eight o'clock. What? Oh, <laughs> you forgot to change your clocks or what? No, I just forgot that this one was still at nine. Some of the other ones have changed to eight. 
then I. That's interesting. I didn't get an email saying that anybody was in here. Usually, I get an email as soon as somebody shows up here. If it's eight thirty or eight quarter to nine. Oh yeah, I was on like. Your meeting participants are waiting. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't get an email. I would have felt worse. I just uh, left it on and did other stuff and came back. Well, maybe that's why it dropped out. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of odd because I, I called Bob and said, you know, I got that message saying that somebody else was trying to start a meeting uh, and, and it kicked us all out and it did it a couple of times. So yeah. I thought, oh, Bob's Bob's logged in. He's he, he's in old time radio and he's also uh, the host for this one, I guess. But I called him and he said, no, Evan's the host. Mm-hmm. And uh, it shouldn't mess up. So yeah. I, who knows? Well, Zoom, I, uh, Zoom, Zoom I've got some SF on my book sense and i'm going to tackle something bigger next month we'll see if i get to it or get through it um so i'll tell you about it next month but i, I guess i'm gonna read another peter f hamilton but i looked and i've read all the ones that are out there so yes uh, i don't know what he's up to i'm gonna have to go look him up and see well, he had a blog or he, he might still have it where he huh. uh, talks about what he's up to um i can look that uh, i'd be very very curious to find out well, he better quit blogging and start writing a book. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, I guess we'll close up by saying that the next meeting is going to be on April the 11th, 2019. And okay. I will put out a newswire the next time, probably on Tuesday or Wednesday at the latest.